G'day friends, welcome back, chapter 21, The Pirate, this is, oh, excuse me, this is uh, episode 5 of season 3 of The Mandalorian, it's picking up now, it's picking up, There's, it's all coming together, things are being connected, there's a bit of, you know, stuff going on in the shadows that we're going to have to wait and see what's happening. I really, really like how this season's building. This is definitely the best season uh, of the show so far, in my opinion. A lot of people not loving it at all, which I think is really interesting. This is, this is, besides episode one, episode one of this season was very, very much like what the entire rest of the show has been for the most part, right? Mando, jumping around from one place to another, like little side quests. Yeah, I got to go and get this so I can get this thing I wanted to, to go and get this other thing I, to help this other person. And it like did a lot of that. Um, that was episode one, but the subsequent four episodes have been fantastic. Um, they've been intriguing, intriguing, <laughs> intriguing, um, interesting character stuff happening. I'm fucking loving this season so much. Um, let's get in. To chapter Alrighty. Oh, also, spoiler warning. Spoiler warning for this episode, uh, and as always, for everything that's happened in all of the previous episodes of this show. If you're here listening to this for some reason and you haven't watched the episode or you haven't watched any other of The Mandalorian, stop listening. <laughs> I don't care about the listens. I don't care about my stats. Stop listening, you stupid idiot. Um, okay, so we start on Navarro. Gorian Shard, the the... The seaweedy Davy Jones guy is back. Um, I gotta say, just on the whole vibe and look of the pirates, I like it a lot. I like how they're all dressed. Um, I like the little Ugnot and how he was set up. Um, I, I like the whole look of it. I like the ship. I think it's it's really really cool. Um, but once again, if you're bringing pirates into this show, where is Hondo? Is he safe? Is he all right? Fucking. Bring him in. Seriously. When I saw that this episode was called The Pirate, I was like, oh, is it going to be a very special pirate? Is he going to come in? Because there's pirates in this episode. Are we going to see Hondo? No. I'm not happy. Um, And they are back to fucking wreck Navarro. They're, like, this episode's pretty full on. Like, they carpet bomb, <laughs> basically, um, the whole city. Like, who knows how many people they kill. Um, but my God, it is vicious. And because there's no Cara Dune, obviously, um, there's, there's no Marshal protecting the town. They've got no, uh, arms at all in terms of people who can protect them. So 
um, Grief Karga. He he sends out a message to the New Republic to to Carson Teva, who features heavily in this episode, who we've seen many times. Oh, excuse me, fuck me, uh, God. Um, in um previous seasons, we've seen him plenty. Um, he gets Grief's message. Uh, he receives it at this uh bar, which is like it's a clearly like a New Republic. Uh, patrol outpost sort of place. A um, couple of pretty cool things in this bar. If you know what I'm going to talk about, you know what I'm going to talk about. Um, first of all, there you can see Dave Filoni sitting uh, at the bar. He's sitting on um, the opposite end of the bar to where Carson Teva's sitting. He's the guy in the hat. <laughs> so you can tell it's Dave Filoni, um, but it is definitely him, which is pretty cool. And he is him being there and him is being what you see first um, he is a little Easter egg of the Easter egg that's about to come because a character, one of his characters from one of his other shows, uh, is about to come into the scene. So Carson Teva watches the uh, the message that Karga sent him. He's like, "Oh fuck, we got to do something," and then Zeb walks over. Garazeb Aurelius from Rebels, um, one of the few remaining Lasots. Alive in the galaxy. Um, if you haven't watched Rebels, every time Rebels, there's an Easter egg about Rebels. Rebels gets mentioned. There's a carrot, whatever. It is, in my opinion, the best Star Wars show that there is. I think it's better than Clone Wars as a show. I think Clone Wars like has got some of the best moments in all of Star Wars. Um, but Rebels as a show, as a story, the characters. Um, if you're really into the force and the Jedi sort of side of Star Wars, that's the show to watch. Um, and then Zeb is one of the best characters in that show. He, he is a Lasot, um, which is the same species. Um, again, those who have played Fallen Order, but maybe haven't seen Rebels, uh, it's the same species as Master T'Pol. Um, so very, very tall, um, alien species. Um, very, very powerful. Zeb uh, believed for a long time he was the last uh, member of his species, uh, but then at uh, a later point in the show, they do find a few other surviving Lasots. Uh, they return to their home planet, um, and it's uh, it's great stuff. They did this pretty poorly, I thought. Um, I'm fucking so wrapped that we saw him because he is hinting uh, at what's to come. So Sabine's coming, Ezra's coming, Thrawn's coming. It's all coming. I don't know what we're going to see in this season of The Mandalorian, but it's coming in Ahsoka because we know from season two when we saw Ahsoka that that's what her mission is at the moment. She's looking for Thrawn. She's looking for Ezra. I assume that's what, Ez uh, what, Ezra, what Zeb is doing as well. So I don't know if he's just working for the New Republic or if he is placed there in the Outer Rim as part of this search that they're doing for Ezra. Because him and Thrawn are off in the unknown regions somewhere. Um, we don't know where they are, what's going on. Um, but I assume Zeb is still very, very much looking for him as well as the others. So... Yeah, as I was saying, they could have done this a little bit better because when, and it was interesting watching Star Wars Theory 
um, watching his reaction as well because Zeb comes into frame and he starts to talk and I didn't even realize what was happening. I was like, holy shit, it's a Lasot. And, and I was watching. I was like, that's cool. And then Kat goes, is that what's his name? I was like, and then I thought in my head, I was like, holy fuck, is that what's his name? <laughs> I was like, holy shit, it's Zeb. I didn't, they needed just a little bit of music to like swell or something just to make it more obvious. Cause I feel like I sort of lost that initial, oh my God moment. <laughs> just, they needed to, it probably, it in hindsight, it probably is pretty obvious that it's him as soon as he starts to speak. Um, but it was just such a shock. Oh, oh, but man, I'm so happy to see him. And yes, I I think it does hint towards what is to come. Um, if you are into the Mandalorian and you're into Star Wars, maybe you think Rebels isn't going to be for you. Maybe you think the lightsabers look silly. Maybe you think it all looks silly. Um, it isn't. Uh, the first season, there's a couple of silly bits. Like it sort of takes a while to sort of get the ball rolling. Um, but when they when they get into season two, season two of Rebels is fucking the, it is such good shit. Season three and four are excellent as well, but season two of Rebels is just some of the best Star Wars that there is. Um, it, if if you plan on sort of following along with this with the Ahsoka show and obviously what what else is going to be happening with the Mandalorian it's going to help you at the very least to have seen Rebels it's seeming like it's becoming more and more important um to have seen Rebels um but yeah I love things and I thought he looked amazing gee a Lasot in live action I was really really impressed uh with how he looked I thought he looked really really good and like he looked like he'd aged as well like this is this is te- this is almost 15 years now it'd be between 10 and 15 no it would be more than that i'm trying to think cuz rebels rebels doesn't like most of rebels like the very very last few minutes of rebels run right into like the original trilogy and then actually go beyond for a brief moment um but most of rebels i think is about five years before A New Hope from memory. It's five or 10 years. No, I must, oh, I'm forgetting. I'm getting all mixed up now with when Obi-Wan is set and when blah, 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 blah. Um, no, it must be five years before, roughly, when most of it happens. So, yeah, this is, oh, that's about five. Yeah, this is, we're, yeah, we're now actually closer to 15 to 20 years since then. I, if I'm correct. <laughs> so what I'm saying is I really like the animation and he did look a little bit older. So I thought they did that really, really, really well. Anyway, so we get that little scene. So Carson Teva wants to do something, right? But the issue is that uh, Navarro is not a signed world as part of the New Republic. This is this was a problem that was had a lot in the Clone Wars, with um, Republic-aligned planets and independent systems and like all that politics is actually super interesting. And it's an issue that is obviously happening now again with the Republic making planets sign on as being like a being like a member of the United Nations or whatever. Um, and if you're not a member, we're not going to help you with shit like this, like that sort of thing. Um, oh, 
Why am I such a burpy boy? Um, so Teva goes to Coruscant uh, and he goes to... <laughs> what a cameo, by the way, as well, by Tim Meadows playing this colonel <laughs> that Carson Teva goes to see. Tim Meadows has got one of the most recognisable voices in Hollywood, I think. And I heard it. And I was like, fucking hell, is that is that, the, is that what's his name? Because, again, I'm, I'm sort of not becoming very good with names anymore because my head is just so full of other fucking football knowledge and Star Wars knowledge that names of actors and names of characters, it's all just starting to fall out one side. Um, but yes, Tim Meadows plays... Uh, normally, I'm a very... And he's, he's a little bit funny in this scene, but he normally plays very comedic roles. Um, but he's basically like, you know, they're, they're not assigned world. Uh, it sucks what's happening. We'd like to help him, but yeah, nah. Um, and it's really interesting in this scene. So a liar from a couple episodes ago, this, this person who fucked over, um, Pershing and we don't know what her motives are yet. And we're still, she comes into the room. She's like, Oh, I'm going to get some food. Do you want some food, sir? And you're like, right. Oh yeah. You just happen to walk in at this exact moment when they're talking about Navarro and you know, about Moff Gideon. And like, I was like, Oh, right. Oh, um, so it's really all starting to come together. We're, we're waiting to see what is going on with a liar. We're waiting to see where Moff Gideon is. Bit of a reveal at the end of this episode, what's going on there. Um, but they talk about him in this scene because there's we, we'd heard in previous episodes that there were rumors that he had never made it to trial. It seems like the New Republic has covered up what happened, um, which is super interesting. So, yeah, Carson Tiva basically gets told to fuck off and, you know, they're sort of, they're on their own. Um, but he's not giving up. He goes and finds the Mandalorian covert. You think, fucking, how does he know where they are? He's, he's flying in, he's flying, you know, down onto the planet. He sees Bo's ship, he lands right next to it. He's walking up to the cave. How the hell does he know where they are? And they ask him that, how did you find us? Now we have to relocate, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he's like someone who I worked with uh, in the Rebel Alliance is here. And you're like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? And then fucking R5, if R5 rolls out, he's like, what's up? <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck is going on with R5? <laughs> Seriously, I need more information about how involved in the Rebel Alliance he was. <laughs> because we see him in A New Hope at the beginning. He's the droid that the Lars try to buy. He's motivated blows, so they buy R2-D2 and C-3PO instead. Um, what happened to him after that? Did the Ewoks sell him to the new... Sell him to the... Sorry, the Rebel Alliance... Um, was he a Rebel Alliance plant? Did he blow his motivator on purpose so that R2 could, you know, continue on with the message? I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I'm so, I think it's so funny that they're, what they're doing with R5. Of all characters in all of Star Wars, they're pumping up R5. I just think it's fucking hilarious. Um, So he does, he, he talks to, Dinjarin, he's like, your friend's in trouble. You know, I'm not telling you what to do. I just came to let you know that he's in trouble. And, you know, I think you should go help him and blah, blah, blah. So Din's like, yes, I will go help him. And Bo's like, you're going to need, you're going to need some help. Oh, we're teaming up. Yeah. Um, so they, they convince all of them, 
all of everybody in the in the COVID to to go and help on Navarro. And it's a pretty cool extens it's extended sequence that we get. Um, that we get a really good speech from from Din and then from um, Paz as well. He, he does a little bit of trickery. He's like. Why should we go and help them? Because we're fucking Mandalorians, yeah. <laughs> he was he was going to turn heel, but then he didn't. He turned face, which is good. Um, uh, so yeah, they they fly over to Navarro a little bit, like Bo's like talking like, oh, they got this. This is their ship. This is how we're going to take them out. Blah blah blah. It's super. We're going to have the N one, and then we got the gauntlet, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really really cool. Um, this is like, this is what the third or fourth dogfight sequence, um, in the air that we've had in this show that they're like, they're fucking digging the, this new N1 starfighter that Mando's got, um, cause they really like shooting it <laughs> with all these action sequences, um, which makes sense cause it's fucking cool as fuck. It is like normally like dogfights are not my thing. It's not the sort of action that I enjoy, you know, you name it. Previously in Star Wars, um, Top Gun, like it's, it, I think it's cool, but it's it's just, it just doesn't tickle my pickle, if you will. Um, but God, the way they shoot this, how fast and agile the N1 is and how capable um, Din Djarin is when he's flying it. Like, it's really, really fucking cool, um, to see that in action. Um, it's really cool to see the, the Mandalorians all like in action and working together and, and Bo really leading them. I really like how they do this. So Bo leads the initial assault and then the armorer who's still kind of in charge. Um, she just sort of comes in at the end and sort of beats, like she fucking pummels a bunch of people to death with her smithing tools, um, which is re- which was really like, it, that was sort of signaling the changing of the guard that's going to come towards the end of the episode. Um, but no, it's really sick seeing them all work together and seeing them all fight the pirates. Um, so they, they eventually do, you know, win the whole battle. Mando just fucks up the whole ship this big pirate ship he messes them all up he takes out all the little snub fighters on his own there's this great bit where um oh what's the what's the pirate's name vane there's a bunch of them chasing bo katan in her gauntlet and then um mando like flies in from underneath him and just fucking blows up one of the snub fighters and then vane's like he's below you and he just goes flying past and then vane goes oh he's above you (laughs) like it's a funny little bit i thought um but no i thoroughly enjoyed all of the action in this episode uh they blow up the ship they kill gory and shard um which was you know he didn't last very long did he um but I thought we were going to get, given all the Moff Gideon stuff in this episode, I thought we were going to get at some point, like, that's who Gorian Shard was maybe working for. Um, maybe that's where, because Vane escapes, so maybe that's where he's going to end up um, with Gideon. That would have been, uh, that would have been a cool little sort of end scene to see where he went. Maybe we'll get that next week. Um but yes, I enjoyed all of that. And then we get a little... So, 
um, Grief Karga gives the Mandalorians a whole heap of land. He's like, this can be your new home. There's actually, a, it's actually a really moving um, little speech that he gives. He's like, you may not have a home planet anymore, but now you have a home. And I thought it was really, really nice uh, actually. And, and, you know, Din Djarin sort of helped secure that for them. So I think that's really great. Um, and I like the direction that this, that the whole idea of the watch uh, is moving. So, Bo-Katan is summoned to speak to the armorer. Um, and it seems like she's going to turn heel as well. <laughs> she's like all menacing. Like, I think she's a really interesting character sometimes what they, what they choose to do with her. Um, but she's, she's talking to Bo and she's like, take off your helmet. And Bo's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble. I'm not taking off my helmet. And she goes, do you respect my station? Bo says, Yeah. You take off your fucking helmet. <laughs> um, and I thought it was going to... I didn't know what was happening. I maybe the armor is trying to trick her. Maybe she wants her gone because of the mythosaur comment from before. Um, but then she, then she does good. She's like, you are going to lead us. You can walk both worlds. And that is how we will unite the people of Mandalore. So... Bo is still part of the watch with them, but being able to walk around with their helmet off makes her very appealing to regular Mandalorians, we'll say. Um, so she can now lead everybody because she, she's respected by everybody. She's still a part of the watch, but now she can, you know, because people who aren't in the watch sort of, we saw what Bo's original opinion was of them you know, this cult, right? So now she can really bring everybody together by, as the armorer says, walking both worlds. Um, the the stuff with the mythosaur, so this sort of puts that mystery to bed. You know, you know, I, I was thinking the bow was going to go a long time being unsure as to whether or not she actually did see anything because she sort of got gaslit a little bit by the armorer. Um and we didn't know what the armorer's final opinion was on that conversation that they had had about the mythosaur, but I guess she completely believed her. And it's, it seemed, it may have, this, it may have been where this change of heart has come for the armorer. It seems to have really shaken her to her core. She says, you know, I, I was raised to believe that the mythosaur was only a legend. Um, but she's like, you fucking saw one. <laughs> so this is a big deal. Um, which is what I think Bo hoped to achieve by sharing that information with the armorer, because the armorer is the boss. She's the most respected out of all of them. Um, so if if you know she can only she really can usher in any kind of change in in the watch. So I thought that was really smart by Bo. Um, and yes, so it's we're gonna. I don't know now. Now that they're settling on Navarro, who knows if they're going to return to Mandalore? I don't know why they haven't. Because Din has told them that he was there. The air is safe to breathe. Um, obviously, it's not a very nice place because it's all glassy and stuff, but it's still their home, like spiritually, if nothing else. Um, I'm surprised that they haven't gone back there yet. Maybe they will at the end of this season, next season. I don't know. Um, but we're going to see the Mythosaur again for Sure, that is for sure. Um, so Bo's the boss now. The armor has made her the
the leader. And I'm so happy for her because she deserves this. <laughs> she does. Um, the armor is sending her off to go and find other Mandalorians to, to join them, um, which I think is fantastic. That, that was a really, really great end uh, to this episode and to that sort of little arc about what is going to be happening with Bo, where's this all going? So they've tied up that little bit of the storylines that we're seeing in this uh, in this season. There's one other storyline that they've really, it's come back big. There's a character who's come back big in this season. Where is Moff Gideon? How did he escape? Who helped him, right? So Tiva comes across the, the wreck of the Lambda shuttle. Um, there's a big hole in the side. All the crew inside are dead. Moff, this was the ship that Moff Gideon was being transported in. Moff Gideon isn't there. So, and, and inside the ship, he's doing a little scan with his little probe. Um, and they find a bit of Beskar alloy embedded in the wall. So what's going on here? Who, where did that Beskar come from, right? So Beskar means Mandalorians almost definitely, right? And and the way they do this or did this, I should say, indicates that this is going to be somebody that we know, right? Otherwise, that it's I just don't think that's how they would do this. They wouldn't leave it open-ended for us to go, oh, is this just some other Mandalorians? who we don't know, no. This will be someone who we are familiar with. And immediately two options come to mind, uh, and then immediately one of them can be eliminated, I think. Um, so the two options that came into my head were, well, maybe he wasn't rescued. Maybe he was captured by somebody else who wants him for information. And then the other option is that he was rescued, right? So say he was captured, right? What... Beskar wearing people would be looking to get information from him. You think Sabine ran, right? Was it Sabine and Ahsoka? Was it Sabine and, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think Hera's involved. I'm pretty sure she's a senator uh, at this stage. So was it, was it Sabine and some other Mandalorians? Um, I find that extremely unlikely because Sabine isn't the type to murder an entire crew of <laughs> New Republic ship. Um, bit out of character for her. So it's not going to be anyone who's a goodie, let's say. So who does that leave? So assuming that it's someone we know, I think it has to be Cosca Reeves and Axe Woves. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. They're the two uh, night owls that were running with Bo-Katan in season two. Um, at the end of season two, Axe Woves had suddenly disappeared and it was just Sasha Banks. As Cosca Reeves, who we saw in the last episode of season two. Um, but then come this season, it's Bo on her own. We don't know where either of the other two have gone. They've abandoned her is all we know. So where are they? What are, what are their motives? Who are they working for? Um, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Uh, they're a little bit small potatoes, to be doing something like this, but for them to, or the other option is that I've just thought of, maybe Mandalorians are being framed for this rather than in fact are guilty. Um, so Mandal, so, you know, someone like Mando or someone like Bo-Katan, who Moff Gideon would love the Empire to just lock up and throw away the key. Um, so maybe they're being framed for this. Who knows? 
Um, I don't think Carson Teva would even entertain that idea for a second because he, he knows them pretty well now. He knows the sort of people they are. He knows their relationship to Moff Gideon, so he wouldn't suspect them of, um, you know, freeing him. So, yeah, my tip at the moment is Reeves and Woves. Um, that's fun to say, Reeves and Woves. Um, that'd be my tip. Um, you know, are they are they all working for Thrawn now? Is Thrawn still not in the picture? Is it still Gideon running the show? Is it Gideon who bombed um, Bo-Katan's castle and sent all the TIE fighters in? Or was that Thrawn? We don't know. It's going to be one of them. <laughs> it's going to be one of them. Um, and I'm really, really excited to just fucking find out more of what's going on. It's been so good this season three episodes to go i think it's going to end big i think it's going to end really big i think these next three episodes oh god the finale of this season i got really really good vibes about so that is my review of chapter 21 guys hope you enjoyed it um let me know what your theories are you know who released him what's going on it's a it's a really um interesting idea that they've that they've put up. Um, let me know what you thought of that episode. Let me know what you're thinking about the season so far. So, like as I said, some people like I see it on social media. They're not digging it. I don't know why. I think this has been a great season. I think it's been excellent. Oh, I'm fucking loving it so much. All right. Um, also, the Bad Batch finished up last night. Now, what I've been doing since the Mandalorian's been coming out is I've actually been leaving the Bad Batch. I haven't been watching it, so I'm I'm a few episodes behind now. Um, I think I'm about six or seven episodes behind. But now that it's finished, I'm going to smash out the rest of it. I'm really excited because I've heard really, really good things. Um, and then I'll be doing a review of the entire second season in one go, uh, hopefully next week. All right. Thanks again for listening, guys. I'll catch you next time. Bye.